Welcome into the Online Choir Podcast. Happy night uh, to all you night owls watching on our live YouTube channel. Appreciate you joining us. I know I'm always on the YouTube late at night, whether it's listening to music or listening to who the Bears are going to trade the number one pick for, Derek Piper. So uh, thanks to all of those for joining us on the YouTube channel or for listening to this next day like normal people on the podcast. Welcome in. It's a better day as Illinois snaps their first two-game losing streak of the season with a 78-69 win over Minnesota. Some good things in this game. Maybe it's not the, the, I guess, the margin of victory some might want, but Illinois had this under control through most of the second half, Derek. You get all five starters scoring in double figures. With Terrence Shannon out, everybody stepped up in the scoring. Matthew Meyer with 22 points. He looks like an alpha right now for this team. Coleman Hawkins with 16 points. Hit a couple big threes, three three-pointers for him tonight. Jade Nepps, fantastic to start the second half, 17 points for him. That's a Big Ten high. Dane Danger uh, had 12 points. He drew 10 fouls tonight. But we do have to start probably with the story of the game. What a feel-good game for R.J. Melendez. His first career double-double. Brad Underwood sticks with him in the starting lineup. Gives him 10 points, 11 rebounds, a couple big dunks, hit a three. I, I thought he traveled, uh, so the referees gave him <laughs> gave him a nice one there. But uh, he, he sinks the three. Uh, but it was really cool that this crowd, and RJ credited the crowd, Derek, uh, gave him such a response when he made that three, when he had another dunk. Um, this was a very supportive crowd. You can see nasty things on Twitter, nasty things on social media. But as I said in my last player grades, if you're not a, a human that is capable of empathy, if you are a human capable of empathy, you had to feel for this kid going through this terrible, terrible slump. So to have this night, uh, I thought was just fantastic to see as, as a human who has feelings. It's a great way to put it. I couldn't have said it any better. I just hopefully it's a weight lifted off his shoulders for a guy that's really, really talented and has been fighting it for a while now. And at Indiana was kind of an inflection point when you had him missing the layups and the wide open three that missed everything. And then of course uh, the disappointment that had to be there when he had a, an open shot to tie the game and send it to overtime. It didn't go down. I know Brad credited Matthew Meyer for the embrace that he gave RJ right after that missed shot. And, and the guys there in Bloomington said, Hey, we got we still got confidence. RJ, we know he makes him in practice. We know that he's been there for us and he can, he can do it if he can get it going again. And this set up as really the, the perfect bounce back spot, at least in terms of what's left in your schedule. You get the worst team in the Big Ten coming into your home and, and RJ playing more extended minutes, sticking in that starting lineup. That was an interesting move by Brad, but one that paid off because it, it was a chance where he could have said, all right, RJ had a tough night uh, against Indiana, and maybe it's it's just not going to happen for him this year. Maybe I go Ty Rogers in the starting lineup. Maybe I go Luke Goody, but he stuck with him. The RJ's energy early was great. His rebounding, his defense. Uh, he drew a, a good amount of the matchup. I know Jamison Battle ended up with 31, but he got his man. He got his. He got his. He took a ton of <laughs> tough shots. I mean, he's a tough shot maker, similar to Matthew Meyer. But uh, I thought RJ was was really engaged. I thought he gave good defense, uh, and then just the the dunks that just sent a eruption through the crowd and, and just had to feel good. And uh, then the, the three ball that, yeah, I mean, it, he's been do a break, like a, a guy that's been going through it that tough, you know, probably, I mean, he missed everything on the layup, still ended up with the ball. The Minnesota bench ended up getting teed up because they thought it was a travel, but <laughs> it was, uh, it, I mean, it was, <laughs> but uh, you, you hope it's for someone that look, I mean, he impacted the game against Houston last year. One of the, yeah. The best teams that we saw, one of the most athletic teams out there, just shows his capability. And it's a guy that's, you know, 
rangy and long and bouncy at six seven, and uh, we'll see if he can be the shot maker that we thought he might be after freshman year or that Brad's hyped him up to be. But uh, and where he goes from here. But on, on one night for someone that's just been in a, a big time rut as as tough a one as we can probably remember. Yeah. Uh, Good for RJ. So hopefully he can feel good about this one, and, and he's a he's a key for Illinois going forward. I have a I have a game for everyone out there that's listening. Raise your hand if you questioned RJ Melendez starting this game. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yeah. Joey Wagner called it. He said that he was gonna he's gonna start him, and I, I gotta say I thought it was a, a great move by Brad Owen, not just by based on the result, Derek, but if RJ ended up with four points tonight but he had these 11 rebounds and played great defense. The way he was fighting through screens on Jamison Battle, the way he was just disrupting things, especially in that first half. Battle had nine points on like seven shots. He'll take that every time. Um, I, I thought that was huge, that Brad Underwood still had faith in him. And this is a guy that was suspended for a game for reasons we don't know just a couple weeks ago. And Brad said he was a lost soul uh, in the postgame press conference. But Brad has shown the last two games that he believes in RJ. Matthew Meyer showed he believed in RJ by passing him the ball with the game on the line. And RJ missed the shot, and he went over and hugged him. I thought that was a huge sign of, of leadership by Matthew Meyer. But this team has continued to show that they believe in him because, Derek, they might need him. And I think Brad Underwood knows that, that this guy can still be very helpful for us. You mentioned it. He's one of the most impactful players in the second round NCAA tournament game last year. He's got length. He can shoot. He can dunk easily. Um, we've had many teams that can't dunk like that. And against Indiana, he couldn't dunk the ball even, right? Like So to have this performance I think is huge. And he, one thing he said he learned, uh, he told us after the game, is I can play defense and I can rebound. And if he can bring even just those things and then dunk a few, he makes one three tonight passed up a couple threes. I still think that shooting slump, I don't know if he's out of it. Uh, he's got to show more than that. But just to feel good for a night, uh, I think it could end up being a stroke of genius for Brad Underwood. Now, he's not going to play Minnesota every night. He's playing mm -hmm. Northwestern. They're, they're a little bit better defensively. Um, and they're probably a little tougher on the glass as well from Minnesota. But if this, if this is the turnaround for R.J. Melendez, it's going to be huge for Illinois because if you can add a functional – solid R.J. Melendez to this team that's already strong on the wings, you become a lot tougher once you get to March. Yeah, for sure. And it was something last year that he was earning that time because it was the effort plays. It was uh, being able to just impact the game and on the glass defensively, uh, be able to make a bucket here and there. And you don't need him to step up and make three or four threes a night. You're not asking him to be this, this crazy productive shooter. If it is just being able to rebound, being able to, to go to the rim and be athletic. and uh, and But he is capable of knocking down some shots from the outside too. It's just something that we'll have to see if it can kind of play itself out that way and, and if he can find it and build on this going forward. But uh, he is going to be very important because it, it gets to a situation where you, you don't have that many consistent shot makers. Uh, maybe RJ, again, it, it's, it's something that he's going to have to do. Even tonight he was one for four. Uh, from three, but I, I like the athleticism. Uh, it, it's one of this team's biggest strengths is the big athletic wings yep. that have length. And uh, we think about this team defensively and for them to be able to have multiple guys that can match up on someone like battle or just throw out a, a, a wing score that can see Terrence, that can see Matt, that can see uh, Ty Rogers and RJ is one of those guys when he's really locked and engaged like that can, can be pretty darn good out there. So 
it, it was just a moment that, you know, he felt good about. And, and look, I mean, he had been fighting it for a while. Then he got suspended and he played three minutes at Penn State. And we all wondered, you know, where's this thing going? Is Brad going to bury him on the bench? Is what What's RJ's head looking like? And uh, it is, was he, inc- is he thinking is he thinking to spring? Let's be honest. Yeah. Is he thinking of the spring and am I going somewhere else? Yeah. And now now it feels like, hey, maybe he can still be impactful this season, which a week ago I didn't know if we were thinking that. And maybe he can still be impactful in this program for the long term. Like I, yeah. I, I really feel that with the way he felt tonight and just to have that performance, maybe that's all still there. Yeah, and it was encouraging to hear, you know, he credited Brad a lot for having trust in him and to just continue to give him opportunities and and to have his teammates that had his back. He he felt that. And obviously, I mean, he he mentioned it kind of saying, you know, the real fans that that were with him, that's indirectly saying, you know, yeah, the social media stuff like you talked about. And it's it's unavoidable. It's the nature of of high-level college basketball. It's not unique unique to the Illini fan base. It's just you're under the, the spotlight like that and you're going to struggle. You're going to hear some some bad stuff out there. There's some sucky people on on social media that just they, they read that stuff, and I'm I'm just preaching to the choir because I'm sure most people listening here don't do that stuff. But if if you're the one percent that does, stop! Like these guys read this, and, and if it's Russell Westbrook, okay, go for it. I don't, he's making millions of dollars. These are they're still college age kids. Uh, it's ridiculous, but I think most people were rooting for him, uh, yeah. and to have that night, I, I thought was was really memorable uh, and really good for him and really good for this team. Derek, two straight games without Terrence Shannon that you have to feel good about how this team has responded. As I said, all five starters scored in, in double figures. And I asked this of Brad Underwood, did your team gain anything from him being out? And and I was thinking of when Iodosumu was out for three games, um, they went on that run and, and Trent Frazier stepped up. And, and obviously it didn't pan out for the NCAA tournament, but I think that helped spark them for the big 10 tournament and winning that championship. And, you know, when winning the most big 10 games that season in the regular season, um, I wonder if this will have the same impact because Jaden Epps had to step up and he, he gets out of his shooting slump. We'll talk more about him more, but Coleman Hawkins was a little bit more aggressive with his offense tonight. And they need that. They're going to need that from him. 16 points, three assists, one turnover, seven rebounds for Coleman, who I thought was quietly very, very good tonight. And we know Dane can, can be a, a go-to guy, but what have you seen in the last two games with Terrence out? Because you hope he's not out long-term. You know, you never know with these concussions. Will he miss another game? Will he miss multiple I don't know. Brad Underwood doesn't know right now. Uh, but he's going through the protocol. You'd hope to have him back Thursday night. But do you think they gain anything from this? Yeah, I think to turn Matthew Myers' aggressiveness all the way up, and still in a good way. It's not earlier in the season where Matt's taking a bunch of bad shots. I mean, there have been some tough ones that he's taken, but I didn't have a problem for the most part with the ones that he got off there at Indiana. And then tonight, uh, being able to shoot an efficient 50% from the field and uh, knock down a couple of threes, uh, got to the free throw line again, you know, six for nine. That's great to go downhill and have that – emphasis on getting to the paint because it's a guy that, that has that ability we even saw him in the post some like he was posting his guy up and uh, you know he has size at six foot nine and, and can get some matchups that he definitely likes and I know you, you look 24 points against Indiana 22 tonight we'll see how this plays out coming going forward when Shannon comes back and of course you hope you have him against uh, Northwestern but I mean an example right in the Big Ten for kind of a star player uh Trace Jackson Davis when Race Thompson went out. I think that's what you probably hope is is the ideal scenario for for Matthew Meyer is that he just 
gets ratcheted up to another level of, of aggression and is be able to play, you know, his best basketball and then extend that out even when you do get back to full strength. So uh, I, I've liked that from Matt. Uh, I think he, like you said, he's been an alpha and it's, it's extended beyond just his scoring too. Like his energy level rebounding wise, the yeah. way that he flies around defensively and is just really, really engaged. And uh, I like that out of him. Uh, Jaden more efficient tonight, knocking down his threes obviously helps. Uh, I think there are times where I, I even from the press row I was like, oh, I don't know if you want to take that pull up three, but they, they were going under and uh, he had come in. He was like three of his last 26 from three, but uh, to go four or six tonight, we know he's an, a, a capable shooter. He's He's been streaky throughout his career, even in high school, but uh, nice night for him to to have that confidence, be able to do that. Uh, I, I really liked Coleman. I think inside the arc, I know he hit three threes tonight, but like that, that right hook that he can have like eight to 10 feet out. I mean, when you got his reach, I know we were talking about it before the game. It should be a shot that he can make with regularity, uh, yeah. especially against uh, guys that are that don't have the 6'11 size. So kind of all across the board, they played through Dane pretty well. I know that he kind of got uh, stood up a couple of times on his back downs, but still you got double digits out of him too. So uh, good balance. They only had two assists at halftime. I thought they moved the ball better in the second half and got into some offense. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that's, that's good for, you know, yeah. you're going against up against Minnesota, they're 14th, dead last in defensive efficiency and league play. They're pretty much dead last in everything. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what you want yeah. as you're about to go face a, a very stout defensive team in Northwestern. Absolutely. Uh, and one thing I think is really important is to get Jaden Epps feeling good about his shot. I, I don't know if he's ever felt bad about his shot. I know that's been a problem for him because he's – I think he was – what two for his last 24 over five games. So he's still getting up four or five a game, uh, but to make, make those back-to-back ones going on that eight Oh run. I was thinking, man, they need Jaden Epps to, to, to kind of, I don't know, be more aggressive, be smarter. Um, I thought there were moments against Indiana. He looked like a freshman, made some bad decisions. Uh, when the ball goes in, you look like you have a way better game, but uh, just to get that production from him, Derek, we know how important guard play is in March. And he's not really the facilitator, but they're going to need moments like that 8-0 personal run if they're going to go somewhere uh, from Jaden Epps. And, and that's a lot of pressure on a freshman, but he's one of those guys who can do it. We know Meyer can do it. We know Epps can do it. We know Terrence Shannon can do it. Um, Hawkins has his moments of where he – like when you start stacking those guys – maybe there's less of those four-minute scoring droughts like we had tonight. Tonight, there were two of those. I think Terrence Shannon's a great scoring drought ender because you can get to the free throw line uh, and he can make them, unlike some people on this team. Uh, Jaden Epps is, is one of those guys who can just ignite you uh, and, and really turn a game, and I thought he did at the start of the second half. Yeah, definitely. And he's someone that can get downhill, too, even when outside jumpers are falling and uh, kind of be able to, to be someone that can – you know, go in there and finish uh, through traffic and have, you know, good release and, and kiss off the glass. And if you can add the three ball, it really makes defenses play a little bit more honest because they've been able to cheat his drives a little bit, go under his screens. And, and again, I mean, he's someone that is a, a pretty good shooter. And when he's got it going like that uh, with confidence, it, it makes him all the, the tougher the guard. And uh, Illinois needs that floor spacing. Illinois needs that confidence out of Jaden Epps. I think against Indiana, there were times where he kind of – he broke plays off a little bit. Um, he, he got maybe into a little bit of hero ball mode a, a little too much. But uh, he's still trying to balance, you know, when do I run the offense? Uh, Brad mentions tonight, you know, he has the parking brake on sometimes. I, I loved 
one of those takes in transition. Nobody just nobody got in front of him. He went right to the basket, and he's got that spurt. Like I think sometimes, you know, Illinois could use some more transition. Like I mean, oh, they're so good in it. Especially Channing's there, right? Like yeah, when you think about the athleticism that they have, and like you know, Meyer on the break, Channing, RJ, Epps, like Rogers, Rogers. It's something that they haven't done. A ton, at least. I mean, especially in comparison to what they thought going into the year. But that's another area where Epps can, as the guy that has the ball in his hands, kind of go go through a, a defense and, and be able to bring that. So I think his confidence, his production is really key down the stretch. And yeah, like you said, point guard play is is pivotal in those moments. Yeah, and, and there's a. I, I hate putting pressure on a freshman, Derek, but that's kind of the roster that's assembled here, right? Is you know you lost Sky Clark. Uh, you don't have a veteran. You didn't bring in a veteran. Um, Sincere Harris is not going to do it for you offensively. I mean, he's he's just making some bad decisions, and he's not really giving you much on that end. Um, so there, there's a lot on Jaden Epps to, to, to be productive, and, and kudos to him. He has been consistently productive. Even if he doesn't shoot well, he's finding a way to score points. So uh, I think he'll be ready for March, and, and I think he'll be a good option, but they just need him to continue uh, to, to be productive. Uh, great question from Seneca Flint. So I'm going to put it up here because I was going to bring it up next there. One bench point in this entire game. And it was a sincere Harris free throw. Uh, Ty Rogers didn't score. Luke Goody only got one shot off. I thought Minnesota did a fantastic job of not allowing him to shoot. Now everybody else seemed to get their, their shots up. Um, is that a huge concern? I mean, once you get Terrence Shannon back, I don't think that's as big of a concern. I think Ty Rogers will score in some games. Uh, he only he didn't take a shot tonight. Um, he just never really got going because he got into foul trouble. So I still think Ty can give you a boost in scoring. I think Will Goody will, will make some shots at some point. If R.J. Melendez comes back off the bench, you hope he can give you a couple points. But there's enough firepower in this, this starting five. that I, I'm not ridiculously concerned about that. Yeah, when you have all five guys in your starting lineup, kind of have on games and be able to score in double figures. You don't worry a ton. And this team will get more depth as Shannon comes back. And uh, Goody didn't force any bad ones. Like, he only took one shot on the game. He could have pulled a couple of those. They would have been, you know, probably hand-in-the-face threes. And uh, that's just – it wasn't necessary uh, as yeah. far as forcing those shots up. Ty got in foul trouble. I wish he could have played a little bit more. I mean, he still got about 16 minutes. But, uh, like you said, no uh, field goal attempts on the game. Sincere has kind of been a little discouraging here recently offensively. He's, he's, he's aggressive, but kind of out of control, not taking the best shots. Uh, I, I thought even, you know, against Indiana, kind of went to the lane sometimes and didn't really know what to do and threw up some wild ones. Uh, so I, I think as far as freaking out, I mean, he scored 78 points, shot nearly 50% from the field as a team. It, will, it wasn't a problem to not get that, that bench production. But uh, if a guy, you know, if someone in the starting lineup would have, would have struggled, then it would have been a bigger deal, but not not really an issue. I think that Luke will get some looks uh, going forward that he'll he'll be able to pull the trigger on. Uh, I wanted to bring this up, Derek, before we get into what's next, because this is a, this is actually a big win. If you look at Illinois' team sheet, everyone's talking about must wins. Like every game for Illinois is a must win. Joey um, Wagner's loving that, by the way. Keep, <laughs> keep hitting him with that, please, as much as possible. Yes, keep saying every game is is a must win for Illinois. But I, I thought this one actually was because you want to avoid a bad loss. And you have now gone through a regular season without having a bad loss. 
you're three and zero against quad three teams. You're not eight and zero against quad four teams. Maybe you don't have as many marquee wins since the the non conference, but you've avoided bad losses, and that that makes for a pretty clean team sheet here uh, of what they're going to look at. And, and I think this team's probably one win away from solidifying an NCAA tournament bid, um, no matter where they get that. Cause it's going to be a quad one or a quad two, and now it's all about seeding once you get that, Derek. So I thought tonight was a a step you would hope to take, but a necessary step when you're trying to put together your NCAA tournament um, resume here. So to get it without your best player is important, you know, to have battle go for 31 points, Garcia go for 18 points and still comfortably win this game leading by double digits. Most of the second half, which by the way, Illinois just wins by nine a lot, which can impact your net a little bit. I don't think it's a make or break here. Um, but yeah, they, they've won a lot of games by nine points instead of double digits and double digit wins count a little bit more in, in the net. Um, but I just thought that was significant that you didn't lose this game because if you did, all of a sudden we might've been talking bubble a little bit yeah. if you don't end the season very well. Well, damn you, Jamison Battle for hitting that three at the very end. Uh, but yeah, I, Thank God we're talking, you know, RJ feel good story, talking about Epps' performance and can build. Yeah, can up. you imagine this post game? No. If, no, if like, don't. if Epps didn't go on that run and Minnesota takes the lead and finds a way to Jameson <laughs> Battle continues to go off and, and they find a way to get out of here with a win? No, I, I don't want to think about that. I'm glad <laughs> we don't have to. Uh, even I know after the Penn State, Indiana losses, you know, people are like, well, you know, we never know if this team still is even going to make. The NCAA tournament, something catastrophic would have to happen. Like you said, they've got to be really, really close to just solidifying that. And it is about seeding because we've talked about how important the ability to go on a run is. And can we please just get to the second weekend and get rid of that conversation? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a lot of pressure on this team. But uh, if you can make sure you're not going to play in that eight, nine spot, that would really help you. Uh, I, this team, if they can go – you know, winning this one and the rest of the way, the last four games now go three and one. I think you'd probably be in a good spot for a six as you go into the Big Ten tournament. I think a six seed would be, be really ideal um, beyond, you know, playing the seven, having to maybe get matched up with a two seed. But uh, this was a crisis averted. Not that it was necessarily too much in jeopardy. It was a little close there late first half. But, uh, you know, they, they pulled away, made it comfortable and didn't have to worry too much about it. Yeah, so we look at what's next here, Derek. You have Northwestern, the second-place team in the Big Ten. Um, I was on with uh, Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes the other day, and they were asking me a little bit about Northwestern and how I felt about their NCAA tournament. And I go, well, nothing Northwestern does is pretty. I, it's still – I feel it's the same offensive team it was basically last year, pretty inefficient, but they guard – their butts off. And I think Matthew Nicholson's been a big addition for them uh, in the interior, but Chase Audiz is defending as, as well as anybody. And Boo Booey, I, I think, is kind of the same player, but he's just kind of taking it up a notch and, and kind of getting buckets. So uh, that's a hungry team. They, they want to win here for the first time in a long time. I think Illinois won six straight here, uh, and they'd love to this season sweep. And this would be another huge victory, uh, a quad one victory for, for Northwestern if, if they can come here and and potentially keep chasing Purdue. But for Illinois, it's a chance to get a, a really good win, uh, which is weird to say, against Northwestern. I think it's only quad two right now, but uh, that'd be a big win when we talk about Big Ten tournament seeding, NCAA tournament seeding, uh, to beat the second-place place team uh, in the Big Ten. So what do you think of that matchup? Number one, Northwestern, 
who do you think you are? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> They've won five in a row. They were in a stretch where you look And that includes Purdue and Indiana. Yeah, and then beat <laughs> Iowa by 20 in Evanston on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, you, you look there as they, they had lost two in a row. They gotten blown out by Iowa and then Michigan at home. And it's like at Wisconsin, at Ohio State, and the, the trifecta of – at least Indiana. they're not as good on the road, apparently. But man, at home they're just world beaters. Yeah, but uh, your guy Boo Booey, um, <laughs> three straight games at twenty plus, a little bit more efficiency. Uh, I think he had eight dimes against Iowa too. That, that's good to see out of him. I mean, veteran guard, and we kind of, I kind of sat there. You know, we were up there in Minneapolis, and Chris Collins is telling us about how old his team is and. <laughs> Bringing guys back, I'm like, is it is that a good thing? Like, yeah, and you and I were sitting there going, he's talking about Boo Booey, Chase Audis, and like Robbie Baran. It's like he yeah. just lost Pete Nance, uh, and my guy. I loved watching Ryan Young, and you know, I, you got to give a ton of credit to Chris Collins for what they're doing this year. But I'm also like, what was going on the last couple of years when you had better talent? Um, so I I think that's almost worse but hey um he's having great years gonna be big 10 coach of the year most likely like matt painter still deserves real consideration for that as well but um yeah man they're 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 tough they're old and and there's not a lot of older teams right now in the big 10 that have been together for a long time and i think that's paying off a little bit for them right now yeah i've learned that pete nance is a team killer and uh, for North, North Carolina to be from in the title game to where they are now, and or North Carolina is just or North Carolina is just waiting for waiting for uh, March to turn it on. They were terrible until March yeah, last yeah, year, mediocre. True, they're right in the the same lane apparently. But yeah, on, on the no Northwestern like top twenty defensive efficiency nationally, they turn you over. I think they do a good job of turning defense into offense for a team that's still not that efficient or sexy offensively uh nicholson there you can see they're they're really good at, at contending uh in the paint to be able to make it tough to score uh they're in that lane Adige is one of the best perimeter defenders at least in the big 10 if not uh, out there nationally and they'll grind you out you know they play they'll play a slower pace and, and come in here and and try to make things tough and bog you down uh, as far as illinois offensively and they'll have to execute and not turn it over because you know it was pretty ugly there uh, back in evanston offensively yeah, and then Ohio State, man, um, you, you go on the road there, like that. that's still a quad one victory. Uh, that, that'd be a nice one to get. So if you can get a Thursday, and, and Ohio State's still talented, man, but, man, they are down. They There's something going on in that locker room, I would assume, because there's too much talent to be struggling as much as they are. Uh, this is a huge opportunity uh, the rest of the week, Derek, to, to kind of get some momentum back. You'd love to get Terrence Shannon back into this thing as well. But Brad Underwood has said he felt feels good about his team uh, despite, you know, two losses last week. And I, I don't blame him. I think there's some good things they're, they're showing here uh, the last couple games. But now you got to put it together and, and get some more wins and get back to stacking some wins like you were uh, before losing those back-to-back games. Yeah, it sets up pretty nicely. Northwestern's a lot tougher of a challenge than we would have thought, you know, a week or two ago. But – uh, you get them at home, a game that on paper you're going to be favored in. You, you should be able to win that. Uh, we know that obviously Illinois is very capable of winning it, but uh, you got to go out there and win. You got to go out there and take care of business and, and protect your home floor. And uh, we talked about it recently, like a chance to match what you've what's been a, a pretty good job of winning on this home court in Big Ten play. They've been eight and two each of the last three years in Big Ten play at home, and they win your last two, you're eight and two again. So that would be. Um, a good thing, you know, and Michigan is a game that 
you should be able to win as well. So, like you see there, you're going to be favored three straight games as far as Ken Palm goes. Ohio State in free fall mode. I can't believe they're three and thirteen. Are they really going to go? What is that? Three and seven? Three and fourteen? Three and seventeen? Jeez. Yeah. Three and seventeen. Uh, I, I don't know that they. You know, since the ball could have a night uh, suing. That that's. I'm going to end up on old tech exposed because I said I liked Ohio State going into the year, but uh, this is a great chance to. It's to, kind of a reminder of like, I mean, Ohio State and Illinois were built similarly this offseason. Yeah. Great yeah. freshman classes, bunch of transfers, and one of them were I, I, Illinois worked. They're, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to be a top half, most likely Big Ten team, and Ohio State's going to be one of the worst in the Big Ten. Like, it's not apples and oranges um but it's close like this is this is really interesting uh two test cases of, of transfers one's really worked for illinois because illinois if they didn't add those transfers would have been bad yes. and, and ohio state uh adds these transfers thought they were gonna be good and they, and they aren't so it's just just interesting and it's kudos to brad underwood for one probably picking the right guys getting good talent but uh making it all work and it hasn't been pretty all the time but you know, they've won, what, nine of their last 12 games in the Big Ten? Yeah, being able to navigate it and be able to go through the – obviously, Ohio State, when they've hit adversity, they haven't been able to snap out of right. it. So, I don't know if it is something in the locker room or the chemistry is not right. I don't think – their talent is pretty good. Like, as far as the transfers that Illinois brought in, like Shannon and Meyer, uh, even even Danger, higher caliber of, of transfers than what they got in uh, Likely. And, and uh, well, McNeil's a, pretty, McNeil. McNeil's a pretty good shooter. But as far as all-around players, Illinois probably got better transfers in general. But, uh, yeah, uh, game you should win. I think you count that as well. And if it's about being able to to trend in the right direction at this time and, and prove Brad Underwood right, essentially. Like, you know, take the stuff that you showed in Indiana. I, I was encouraged after the Indiana game. We talked about it. I think that some of – what you should, what Matt showed, what just kind of the intensity, the energy, Luke Goody coming on. Like there were some good things to take from that. You insert Shannon back into the mix. We'll see how, when that happens and how effective he is when it does. But uh, it's a chance to, to really put yourself in a, to still contend for top four seed in the, in the Big Ten, which is going to be a challenge because some of these other teams have tiebreakers over you, like Iowa, uh, like Maryland. But make a run and, and see where you can stand and maybe that uh that game in west lafayette made a ton here regular season finale yeah i'm just getting an update uh here on the big 10 standings this thing's crazy every night was this a five-way tie for fourth place maryland Rutgers, illinois iowa michigan um and i still think these teams yeah for fourth place sorry um yeah for that double buy it's gonna be gonna be a hell of a wow. race and, and illinois doesn't have a lot of wins against those those yeah. teams so it might be really tough for them to get that that double buy but you know win enough games you might be able to pass up some of those teams as they as they kind of uh eat up each other here but man that this this race is just insane. it's not even a race for <laughs> first place or anything it's just uh that muddled mess in the, in the big 10 who you like coming out of this Derek? oh man I don't know. I have, I'd have to look at the schedules. Yeah, I think Maryland has a pretty decent schedule down the stretch as far as I know. Yeah. It, well, they got a couple on the road. They stink on terrible. the road. Oh. <laughs> Rutgers Indiana's just doesn't, play Purdue again. Rutgers doesn't score enough, but they got a decent schedule uh, at Minnesota. It's like whoever's playing Minnesota you feel good about. Which, man, Ben Johnson, I like him. 
What are they building there, Derek? I have no idea. What are they building I'm, there? I, I don't know. I, I, I some feel of their way fr- better. I feel way better about what Fred Hoiberg has right now. Not just because they have Tominaga, but he's a big reason. <laughs> You're right. But they just they play hard, man. They play defense. Like Minnesota has no interest in defense. Uh, and, and they got two good players, but man, the rest of that they they need guards. They need a lot of them. They need to play some defense. They need a lot. I don't have a lot to go on with them, but I mean they they have two talented players in Garcia and Battle. I do think some you know like Ola Joseph's gotten better. He's a freshman. Uh, Payne's had a pretty nice year as far as productivity, but just as a team, I mean they're like. Like 280 in offensive efficiency, and then they stink defensively too. So I mean, it's just a, it's a mess for them. I, yeah. First time coach, it's a big job. That's a big job, man. I, I just don't know where they're going. Didn't I'll know they'd be missing the Tubby Smith days. Patino days, man. Oh yeah, Patino days. They made a couple of tournaments. Jamal Mashburn Jr. would be the best player on this team. He's killing it for for Rich uh, out west there. All right, let's get you a few questions before we get out of here. Um, Tejas says, would y'all consider – I love that he has y'all and he's Tejas. Would y'all consider Northwestern a marquee win this Thursday if they can pull it off? Seems like there's a decent gap between their big standing and Ken Palm rank. Yeah, it's not a marquee win on the on the resume, Derek, uh, but I, I think it'd be a big win. Like, I, we, we can talk about resume, whatever. Like, It'd be a big win for Illinois. It'd, it'd throw a wrench into this Big Ten race as well and give Illinois a chance to, to finish with that – double by standing and get another top four finish. I think that'd be really meaningful for Illinois to have a fourth year of a top four finish in a row. Um, I think that'd say a lot about the program that Brad Underwood's was building here, uh, but it's also a rival. So it, it wouldn't be on the team sheet. Uh, Northwestern, yeah. if they continue to win, maybe they can get into a quad one territory being a home win because you're going to be top 30 for quad one. They're 39 right now. It'd be one of their best wins, though, on, on their uh, team sheet. Right, yeah. I mean, you beat the number two team in the league at this point, uh, a ranked team that comes into your building. And like you said, it is a rivalry. You don't want to get swept by by them. So uh, big win, not, you know, most likely a quad two, uh, a game on paper. If you're the team that you, you think you are, a game you should win at home. But uh, not a marquee one, but a, a, a nice win and, and and one that would put you in a, in a solid spot as far as trending towards the seed you, you would you'd probably desire there in the tournament. Yeah, we've got a couple more minutes if you want to get a question in, but we're going to get out of here soon. It's getting late. Uh, Daniel said, will turnovers be a problem for Illinois in March when Epps is off the court? Epps and Harris both turn over the ball like freshmen usually do. No true pass-heavy point guard. Um, I don't know if Epps turns the ball over that much. Uh, Indiana had a couple, but his turnover rate for a freshman is actually pretty low. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like they, they, Their ball handlers are kind of their wings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Hawkins runs a lot of offense. Meyer right now is running a lot of offense. Shannon uh, runs a lot of offense. Of course, Epps does, but I mean, it was noticeable when Epps was off the court. I looked at you at one point and said, they need to get Epps back on here. They need somebody who can score. And, and part of that was Ty Rogers being out too. Like he's become an initiator of the offense. Yeah. I know that Indiana got into Jaden, especially early in that game. And Jaden was a little loose with the ball, but for the most part, he's done a really good job of, of not turning it over. Uh, Terrence, we'll see when, when he comes back. He's kind of had some turnover issues yep. at times. Uh, I think that he's got some, some things he can clean up, you know, playing in ball screens, making good decisions, uh, can get called for charges. Obviously, we know Coleman can, can be someone that will turn it over a little bit. So, uh, can, I, can, I, can I quiz you? Who do you think has the best turnover rate of the regulars on this team? Uh, so, like, lowest turnover lowest percentage. Lowest turnover percentage. 
Um, Epps is two at 15.2. Man. One Matthew Meyer. Really? Matthew Meyer is the lowest turnover rate on this team at 12.2. That's 258th in the country. I just found that interesting. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I, yeah, I think that it's not at the top of the list of things that could could kill you. Obviously, three making shooting. threes is the most important <laughs> thing I think for this team, and that's why tonight was had to feel a little good. I mean, they ended up only shooting thirty seven percent, but they hadn't shot that, Derek. They've been shooting twenty four percent over the last seven eight games or whatever it was. Yeah, no, I mean they they hadn't had. You look at. I think seven of the last nine coming into the night, they'd shot 30% or below from three. And, and obviously they, they were like 312th in the country, three-point percentage. Uh, hadn't made double-digit three since that Wisconsin game early January here in Champaign. Uh, so that was a, a good sign. We'll see if they can kind of use that as a turning point. Uh, we'll see that until proven otherwise, still not a good shooting team. And, uh, yeah, I think that with – when you get in crunch time of your season, Jaden, obviously a guy that hasn't been there as far as postseason play, uh, how he handles that. Um, Shannon's not really like a true point. My Some of the guys, yeah, uh, there's a chance that that kind of like facilitating role is is a question mark. But obviously, yeah, three-point shooting, bigger, bigger one going into the this home stretch. All right, last one from, from Seneca Flint. What non-quad one win uh, has the best chance to become a quad one win by season's end? Rutgers. Michigan State, Wisconsin. I think you're hoping it's Wisconsin. Because they're 76. Like, they're on that borderline. It goes back and forth. Um, yeah, Rutgers is right there. I think they're 31 or 32 in the net. So, if they get up one or two more spots, that home win becomes one. Michigan State is right there. I, I would think Wisconsin, Derek, um, because they're right there in that bubble, and they just lost another game. Uh, I, I don't believe in them. I can't believe they would be an NCAA tournament team. But they got Iowa, Michigan, Purdue left. If they win one of those and take care of business against Minnesota, they might have a chance to, to be top 75 in the net. Yeah, is, is Rutgers falling off the top 30? Because I think yeah. they're, oh, they're, they're – Well, they're right on there here. Let going me, into uh, today, I thought they were – Oh, Rutgers is so yeah, 28th Rutgers, to 29th. Yeah, right? Rutgers is 29. They were like 31 a couple of days ago, and then they otherwise, beat Wisconsin. Um, and then Michigan just State's, had one or two quad one wins. Yeah, then Michigan State's 40. So probably the Rutgers one is, is probably the right answer. But I, you would hope that maybe you can get Rutgers and Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I don't think it makes a huge difference in where they'll be seated, Derek, because man, those two, those two wins in the non-conference. There, there's not many teams in the country that have better wins than. UCLA and Texas, they're both top eight in the net. Yeah. You, you just don't want Wisconsin to stay below the quad one line. And then if Rutgers falls off, yeah. like if you went into the tournament and literally those are your only two quad ones, you didn't get one in Big Ten play, that would that could hurt you for sure. So it'd be nice if Wisconsin could elevate and, Wisconsin, and Rutgers can kind of stay in that top 30 range. I, I don't know what their schedule looks like down the stretch, but um, yeah. I think Rutgers is the, the most likely, but maybe Wisconsin can do it for you too. It's not a weightlifting video. We're talking all about these quads. <laughs> Isn't it amazing like that how we talk about this stuff now? But no, I mean they I have, understand I, it a lot better than the RPI. If we were sitting here doing RPI yes. stuff, I don't even know where to start. No, but I mean you have a bunch of opportunities left. You got two quad one ones. I don't know if that Ohio State one's gonna end up a quad one one, but uh Purdue and Ohio State, you get the Big Ten tournament, Northwestern and and Michigan are quad two opportunities. 
Um, you still got opportunities to sit here and, and, and build this resume, Derek. So I, I think this team's probably between a six and a nine seed at the moment. And, and if you win one or two more games, I, I think probably a, between a six and an eight seed. So um, we'll be interesting down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, the net ranking is really advocated for leg day, and uh, it's almost <laughs> as successful in marketing as uh, the Nuggets here, which the uh, fans got their Nuggets tonight. But, yeah, they did. Uh, sitting there, CBS had Illinois today an eight seed. Uh, I think that others still kind of in that, that six or seven range. Uh, but, yeah, Jerry Palm with the Illinois versus Auburn, eight, nine, and then Kansas is the one. Um, and Des Moines, too. I, I would be all for that, but – I think as far as Illini fans wanting them to get off that 8-9 and avoid playing a 1 before the Sweet 16 would be ideal. What is the most – what are the biggest, um, since you brought it up, storyline brackets that you think we could potentially see? Kansas is the 1. Um, who would be the 2? If you are if in the 8-9 and you played – Well, the 9s, it's interesting. Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, <laughs> but also a projected 9 in, in CBS today was Kentucky and Oklahoma State. So, like, as far pick your whatever you want. Brad against Oklahoma State, that fan base yeah. hates them. Right now, uh, the bracket matrix, those are a 10. So, that's a potential. Uh, I mean, I, for a while there, Kentucky's playing their way back in where yeah. they're not one of the first four out, our uh, first four in, um, or last four in, I'm sorry. But if you had a UNC Kentucky playing game for the 11 <laughs> and then Illinois is the six. Wow. <laughs> I, I was texting somebody, you know, that's going to be it. Like, yeah play one of those teams in the first round i'd be here for it it'd be it'd be fun uh obviously unc has a lot i mean they're still really talented oh. and Shibway inside would be tough uh no one wants to see those guys in the first round no, if you're you a seven or an eight no. you don't want that no yeah and whoever would be on the opposite end of that if they're like illinois seven kentucky 10 whoever the two seed is like really <laughs> dang it all right, that'll do it for us here at State Farm Center. Thanks to all you guys watching on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys. Give us a like. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We appreciate all you guys. It's been a lot of fun uh, doing this this season through football and basketball as well. And thank you to everybody uh, that watches us or listens to us on the podcast as well. Give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And check out all the content at IlliniInquire.com. Joey Wagner writing about RJ Melendez. He was so pumped to write about this. And we got a lot of good stuff out of RJ and Brad after the game. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Derek's got player grades. We'll have plenty more at IlliniInquire.com. So everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.